All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 46 of the DFO Rundown at dailyfaceoff.com. I'm Jason Greger along with Frank Saravalli coming to you once again live from the woodjerseys.com studio. Got my Boston Bruins wood jersey in the back and you'll see Frank a little bit up close and personal with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs one. And you can see really good, intricate work on the wood. It's going to look great in your office, in your fan cave, wherever you like. Go to woodjerseys.com, and they will have more teams all the time. They're going to have all 32. Don't worry, Kraken fans. They are having yours. It's in the works right now, and it'll be a busy offseason at woodjerseys.com, which is fitting, Frank, because I think this is going to be a, a very busy offseason. Let's a, get cracking. It's been an interesting week uh, all week, of course. Uh, Duncan Keats traded to Edmonton. Then, no, to me, the big stories is the Minnesota Wild bio because I, it's amazing to me that they basically bought out players for one year of savings, and then in year two they saved like two point three million, but in year three or four they save a total of three hundred grand to not have those players to have dead cap space of twelve point seven in one year and fourteen point seven in two years is like this is unprecedented. I, I don't understand how that's going to encourage Kaprizov to want to sign long-term because he's like, well, yeah, for three of those years, we're basically dealing with 16 to 18% less cap space than everybody else. Well, first off the Kiro Kaprizov doesn't want to sign long-term. Yeah. He wants to sign medium term. It's four or five year deal. It's not going to be short term. The wild really wants seven or eight years. That's not going to happen. That's a total non-starter. Uh, that's the reason why they've gone around and around in a circle. And even that's even with a seven 
or eight year deal at a significant AAV, I think, you know, somewhere in the $9 million range. So he's turned that down. Um, and I think the way you're looking at it now is the way I was sort of looking at it right initially off the hop, but I've sort of reconsidered a couple things. One is that those contracts weren't going anywhere. So they were going to be on the books either way. Cause the only thing you could have hoped for possibly was an LTIR exception where a player is hurt and can't continue, or that somehow along the way, one of those players would get disgusted enough and, and walk away, but there's limited leverage for the team because they had the full no moves. It's not like you could send them to the minors and say, Hey, you're going to be playing out the string here. So those contracts were on the books. No one was trading for them. So they're going to be there either way in those years. I would think most likely uh, in this case, the savings this year allow the wild to be more competitive. And I think moving forward, I think the pressure just ratchets up as we talked about with Michael Russo on the pod last week, it, it ratchets up on the young prospects that they have in the system. You need to have players producing and performing on entry-level contracts in order to win in the NHL. The Tampa Bay lightning are one of the very few exceptions as to why, how they were able to win their cup without that. Yeah, the, the interesting thing, though, is if you look at the salaries, it was $6 million owed in cash this coming season, then two, and then one and one million. And you would wonder if Zach Parise would suddenly, you know, uh, find an injury to not have to play for those final two years of that deal, right? Like, Yeah, the the Marion Hosa, that's exactly what happened to Marion Hosa. He got the allergy to the, to the equipment. Yeah. Uh, that's but seriously, if you look at his deal and the way that it oh, tapered off, Hosa was earning one million each of those last seasons. It was like, why am I even doing this? And therefore, you get the allergy. Hundred percent. No, that's so. To me, he couldn't know, go through a handshake. Hey, a you, know, if you agree to do that now. We'll pay you the six million next season and move along from there. So, uh, to me, that's an interesting one uh, to watch. The other one, uh, because of that buyout, there was lots of story. I, I think it's important to mention to all of our uh, Canadian listeners and viewers that. Um, free agency, the, the Canadian teams, they're at a disadvantage last season in the NHL. Um, you, you had basically 27% of the players were American and out of those. And so that's just, you know, over a quarter of the league, American players don't sign in Canada for free agent deals, especially top end free agents since 2016, Frank, the only one who played a significant role on any Canadian team was Ron Hainsey when he signed in Toronto for two years. And he was 36. And then he signed after that one year in Ottawa. The other Americans who have signed since 2016, the likes of like Al Montoya for one year in Montreal, Matt Hendricks, Trevor Lewis, Nate Thompson in uh, Winnipeg on one-year deals. Derek Forbert did sign a one-year deal last year for a million bucks. But the And he's actually going to be in demand, by the way. I was talking to a couple of people this week. Derek Forbert had a really good year. So he's actually a guy on my list that's rising a bit. Sure. And you no, know, Nate Thompson had played in uh, Canada before when he signed uh, Matt Hendricks had played in Edmonton for many years. You know, he's right across the border. It was actually just as close to his home in Winnipeg, but the point is it's rare. So any suggestion that, you know, Ryan Suter possibly would have been an option instead yeah, of Duncan not happening Heath for Edmonton, no. not happening. And, no. and I really think that that's, that's something that I wonder if Canadian teams have to start looking to say, Hey, we got to promote the Canadian players should be signing in Canada because the Americans are all staying there. And I understand it from family reasons, everything. I get it. Um, it but especially this that- year and the way that things have played out with the border and particularly with the restrictions, everyone knowing that it's more strict in Canada, Canadians don't even want to play in Canada moving forward to sign there this summer. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if the you know the, the strictness is going to go away. Let's be honest. Hey, is uh, it? At, hey, look, I'm I'm not. This well, is not a political statement, but like I continue to see the the differences. And I just talked to another person that was in Canada this week uh, for the first time since the pandemic, coming from the U.S., shocked at, at the restrictions that are still in place. Can't fathom it. Well, look at they're going backwards. Look at L.A. Suddenly now you got to wear a mask again. It's mandatory because the, the cases are rising. The, the benefit in Canada is the uh, the percentage of people who are getting vaccinated is significantly higher. And, that's and I'm not, by the way, I just so I, I want listeners and viewers to understand, I would sign a Canada in a heartbeat personally because you're earning U.S. dollars to live in Canada where the dollar is that much cheaper. You know, if you're going to have to park yourself for the season and spend money to uh, cost of living, that's the way to do it is to take a 25% return on that. Well, and see, that's one thing that I find interesting is people always talk about the savings in Tampa Bay and, and other places. And Alan Walsh was on the show and said, well, that's not 100% accurate. But what, well, that's what also true for Canadians, though, because yeah. all the Canadians are earning their salaries in U.S. dollars well, as well a, and, and spending money in Canada. Canadian it's a massive money. benefit. If you're a Canadian, yeah. you play in Canada, you get paid in, in American money. That's huge extra money. You're also just paying more taxes. In some places, yeah. But um, you, you, if you pay more taxes, but you get more money, kind of evens out. So we I should actually think- have uh, that's a podcast idea for later in the summer as we things quiet down a little bit. We should have on one of my buddies who's a former NHL player and now turned into a uh, an advisor, a financial advisor. Oh, it's key because it, you know, and I think because there, there's lots of narratives and myths out there that aren't necessarily always accurate. And and I think the big one is anytime like Brandon Sod, like Brandon Sod's going to be a sought after Blake Coleman. I think they're highly unlikely that any of the Canadian teams get in the running for those guys just based on past history. Mm-hmm. And it seems like for whatever reason, there may be a few more Americans available as free agents this year than normal. Am I yep. reading that right? Yes. So that there, there's more available, but there's, there also is 25 American teams, right? So I ensure the odds are right there. there. There's more of them, you know, 78% of your league is based in the United States. So I understand that. But when virtually none of the 27% are signing in, in Canada, that's a, you know, that shrinks the, the free agent pool pretty quickly for those seven Canadian teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I get it from both sides. Uh, I get it. You know, and I also, for me, part of the allure would be to play in Canada also in a in a hockey market that really matters and cares. So I, I could see it going both ways that also there's some players that just don't want any part of that. Now, Frank, we, we've seen, you know, the, the big buyouts, of course, uh, Keith Yandel also uh, bought out in Florida. But so that's at- four, Tyler, as we're keeping track on the buy or sell uh, from last week. Yeah. When you look at, at, the, the New York Rangers, I'm assuming they're just waiting like a lot of teams until after the expansion draft, just in case Seattle claims one of the players that they're contemplating. You know, there's teams, there's lots of options around the league of guys who will be bought out. Do you think like this, would Seattle take a, take a chance or are, are, are teams, are teams just going to wait for the Ranger buyout? Uh, when you say Ranger buyout, are you talking about Tony D'Angelo? Yes. I don't think Seattle, I I don't know. They don't. I don't think Seattle has, I think there's a 0% chance that Seattle takes Tony D'Angelo just given their social standing already that they've made clear in the league. Like they, they're, you know, trying to do lots of different things with their organization in terms of the people that they're hiring, diversity, inclusion, all those things. I can't imagine that Tony D'Angelo would be one of the people that they bring in given his past and his history. So I think there's been some confusion there. I don't, I don't think confusion is the right word, but 
The New York Rangers had initially finalized their plans that they were going to buy out Tony D'Angelo during the first buyout window. And that goes all the way until the 27th. So they don't owe it to him or anyone else uh, to do it first uh, before then. But at the same time, I think they've been considering some of their other options in terms of what may or may not be out there uh, for a trade for D'Angelo since I think there is a significant amount of interest in him. But I think those teams are all interested not at that cap hit necessarily, but at something way lower to take advantage of, of all the things that have gone on off the ice. Yeah. The Rangers then likely have to get something back because obviously they can, they can only retain 50%, but they can buy them out at at only having to pay a third. So that's, that's been the thing. I think it's 480,000 is the buyout and that's all they've told teams that they're willing to retain because that's all they'd be stuck with otherwise. Yeah. And well, you, you can only, that that was the hang up as to why a trade didn't get done last year. It wasn't because there weren't teams interested. It was because they wanted the Rangers to retain half and the Rangers saying, why would we do that? Because that means next season we're stuck with half when they could only go into this season with a $480,000 cap hit. Yeah. The the other thing that's interesting though, is I'm assuming they're looking, if a team really wants them, doesn't want to get into a bidding war and wants to ensure they can get them, maybe they're willing to give the Rangers an asset. And if that means if if the Rangers get a pick and they got to pay a little bit extra in cap hit, right? That extra 17%, they'd probably consider it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other uh, off-season news, we're going to have uh, Elliot Friedman joining us on the pod today. So uh, we'll get into uh, lots of other uh, rumors and, and league happenings. Frank. I'm fascinated by the goaltending market, Jason. What do you like? You know, there was a report again that the, the Oilers are continuing talks with Mike Smith and, you know, they need to certainly make some progress there moving forward, but that if Smith makes it to market, that there's an indication from other teams that they'd be interested in signing Smith. So there seems like there's been maybe some pressure ratcheted up there. What, like, what do you, what's the Intel you have on the Oilers goaltending front? Well, they would like to sign Mike Smith and obviously there's no pressure to sign Mike Smith before uh, tomorrow's deadline. Right. I mean, there's no negative for Edmonton. They could sign Mike Smith. They protect him. And that just means that they would expose Stuart Skinner. Who's likely the guy that would be protected that, you know, they're not going to protect Miko Koskinen. So they're not uh, really at risk of Skinner being taken. Exactly. So there's no, there's no risk involved for Edmonton to do it. Whereas they won't sign Adam Larson until after the 21st now, because if you signed Larson today or tomorrow, then all of a sudden you'd have to expose a bear or a Yamamoto or Poyarvi, which obviously they don't want to do, but Smith doesn't give them any issues. I've heard two things. Obviously Edmonton's they've had negotiations. They'd like to get Smith. The other thing, Frank, that I found quite interesting is there has been some teams kicking tires, showing some interest in acquiring Miko Koskinen, who everybody knows is available now obviously Edmonton would have to retain salary I would assume or take on some salary in return but that's an interesting one with so many goalies available but there are teams you know who view Koskinen as a solid backup and I, and I think he is a solid backup he just at times at the right Edmonton, price yeah it's the wrong price no question about it and you know his consistency is is the is the one concern I think a little bit in Edmonton where he can he can have stretches but this year if you look at his numbers just straight up and I know that they weren't great before Mike Smith so I only compared them after Mike Smith arrived and that's when Koskinen wasn't overused and in that time Mike Smith had a 925 save percentage and Koskinen had a 910 so you know the suggestions from people that Koskinen's a lock as a backup I'm not sold on that Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you totally on that. And, you know, I reported on dailyfaceoff.com on Thursday that Darcy Kemper had emerged as a primary target for both the T- Toronto Maple Leafs and the Colorado Avalanche. 
Now it's really interesting because I, you know, I actually think that there could be the possibility of a deal between now and when expansion lists are due solely because of the fact that I think the coyotes have interest in keeping Aiden Hill. And there's some yes. thought that Aiden Hill could be the target from Seattle. Now, much in the same way that Edmonton doesn't have any protection issues, Colorado doesn't either. They can, you know, they could trade for Kemper and he'd be the guy that they protect. Now, Toronto essentially could do that and expose Jack Campbell, which would change the calculus a little bit. They certainly wouldn't have interest in doing that. I don't think they want to expose Jack Campbell. And I think the other prohibitive factor for the Maple Leafs is that they don't have a first round pick to trade this season. They traded that in the Nick Foligno deal. Arizona having forfeited their pick wants to get back into the yes. first round. And so that's a big part of it. Um, and so there's that acquisition cost factor that I don't know that Toronto is right in there, but I'm wondering if there's any sort of larger deal that can be re revisited because we've talked about this on the pod previously. The Leafs had interest in Connor Garland. I've reported how things have gone off the rails with Connor Garland in Arizona, how they've presented him with no offers, how, you know, even in an ARB case, it doesn't seem to make sense to keep him for just one year moving forward. So they're in a spot where they probably have to trade him. Could the, could Toronto work out some kind of package where there's pieces other than a first round pick going the other way? If, if Kemper is really the guy that they want. Uh, so there's lots going on there. Uh, the other part of the goaltending market as well, that has such intrigue for me is, the Vegas Golden Knights, what are they doing with their netminders? You know, by the way, and this is a caveat that I actually should tweet at some point, but I learned on Thursday that as Seattle has this exclusive window to negotiate with free agents, yeah, it doesn't include the free agents from Vegas. Yeah, I, know. I know that they're not part of the expansion draft, but that actual nuance itself about the free agents doesn't count for Vegas. So those guys that are free agents in Vegas can't be part of the negotiations for Seattle and they're not in that same exclusive window. So um, lots of interesting stuff going on. There's, there seems to be a suggestion out there that Vegas already has something in place to send one of their goaltenders somewhere. I can't find any evidence that that's true, but that's uh, that's certainly something interesting that's percolating. Hmm. Well, we'll get to all that and uh, more with uh, our guest coming up today in the pod, Elliot Friedman. Our next guest you see every Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada and also throughout the season, breaking lots of news at Sportsnet. Elliot Friedman, welcome to the DFO Rundown. Thanks a lot for joining us. My pleasure, Frankie, Jason, and Tyler, uh, even though I know he's hidden for this particular segment at the beginning. <laughs> so, so Fridge, I want to start here. Um, then I, I, I asked this question knowing that we may ultimately get slapped for talking about it, but okay. I got to tell you that in the last two to three days, as I'm talking to people around the league, I have been floored by the amount of tampering that's going on. And, and I know that's a sensitive subject for the league. I know that they're not uh, blind to the idea of it happening, but for whatever reason, it feels like to me, and I was curious if it does to you that there is more going on this year in terms of, firm conversations already even before the expansion draft occurs with with teams and potential free agents i completely agree with you and the only reason i'm careful about it uh frank is not because i'm afraid of getting you know smacked about it or anything that happens as you know almost on a daily basis for some of the stuff we talk about 
But it's just that I don't want there to be a headline where it says Friedman accuses team of tampering, right? That's the thing I worry about. Like, you know, for example, on our own podcast today, I talked about Landeskog and, and Jeff and I talk about how we believe if he hits the market and St. Louis can do it, we think they're going to be all over him, right? And, you know, I, I trip over backwards to say I'm not accusing St. Louis of tampering because I always worry about getting radioed in that way. Right, so that someone is linking back to like whatever you're saying to the idea that there is tampering out there. Right. That's the team doing it. And that's not the purpose at all. I'm just saying in no, no, general, no. overarching yes. as a theme in the league this year. And I think, frankly, there's some managers out there that are worried like at this moment that they're missing the boat on what's happening. Well, then that's why you had, you know, when I worked with Doug McLean, he would always explain how tampering worked. He would joke that you'd say, you'd call like an agent and you'd say, you know, I'm looking around on my team this year and I'm looking for a left shot D that can play about 22 minutes. And the agent knows that you're talking about his particular player and the name never gets mentioned, but everybody knows what they're talking about. You know, I think you're totally right. I think your theory is right. Part of the reason is we no longer have the weekly free agent talking to period. Part of the reason is the expansion draft and it affects decisions that people are going to make because we can expose this person if we have another person coming in. Um, you know, I wonder, like, I had some guys say to me, we'd love to see that free agent week brought back in after what we're seeing this year. But I think you're totally right. It's a ruthless league, Frank. You got to be ruthless to win sometimes. And uh, that's what we're seeing right now. What's interesting though, guys, is that it ruthless is one thing, but free agency is really not the, not the path to success if you want to actually win, right? Like since 2012, the only big name free agent that helped the team win was Niskanen and Orpik. And they were both the same summer of 2014. They won four years later. Like Washington didn't have any big free agent signings. Tampa Bay, obviously like Patrick Maroon, I don't consider him, you know, it's a one-year deal. Um, And I wonder if teams are ever going to figure that out because the overspending, all it does is just lead to future pain and buyouts down the road yet they haven't figured that out. Like, why do you think teams can't control themselves on free agency day, Elliot? Well, I think because it's, it's free agency is, it's a great question, Jason. Number one, maybe you don't win, but you can still improve. um, And that matters. Um, I think the other thing too is, is that, you know, there's some situations like we're coming out of a pandemic right now. And I think some teams are, you know, initially I thought teams would be careful because they lost money and stuff last year and maybe their team budgets wouldn't be as high. And I think that's definitely the case in some instances, but now you got to fill your building again. Right. Um, you know, are, are some teams I'm sure worried that maybe things will be a little bit soft. Um, you know, some teams feel more pressure than others. I mean, you live in Edmonton um, after the sweep they had this year in the playoffs, in the first round to Winnipeg, you don't think Edmonton feels incredible pressure to improve and, and look at some of the holes they potentially could have in their lineup. So, you know, I think you're right. I think you have to be, you have to be careful. You can't do anything too crazy, but don't ever underestimate the pressures that teams face from their owners, their star players, their fans on social media. Um, The get now as people are coming back into buildings you know, it, it, there's the head in the heart, Jason. 
And how many times in our own lives have we said, you know, this is a really stupid thing to do, but our emotions get to us and the pressure gets to us and we do them anyway. It's just, it's life, man. It's just like the way life yeah. is. Well, it's definitely, they look for the short term and they worry, but the, cause most of the GMs aren't around for the buyouts. That's right. Years down the road. That's going to be someone else's problem. <laughs> yes. Um, there, there, this, this, what's different about this off season, uh, Frank had his track targets the other day. I don't know if I've ever seen this many elite players, Seth Jones, Kuznetsov, Tarasenko. Are you expecting heavy movement between the 22nd leading up to the draft? Like, is that when you think some of these names and do you think are like Jack Eichel is, is that, are these trades for sure happening after the expansion draft and right up to the draft in your eyes? And who's the most likely to go? Well, I think today could be a busy day. Um, because, you know, don't forget there's a roster freeze on Saturday. And I like, I think Vancouver is a team that's looking to do some things. For example, um, I, I think, I think prior to the roster freeze, some of the teams, look, we've seen Nashville with Arvidsson there. We're not losing him for nothing. We're getting two picks. We've seen Colorado with Graves. We're not losing him for nothing. We're getting a prospect and a pick. Um, I don't think they're going to be the only ones. I think there's going to be more. And then, you know, for example, Ryan Suter, I think there's a ton of interest in him, but I think he's basically said, and other teams have basically said, let's see where we are after the expansion draft. So Jason, I think there's going to be a pocket right up until the freeze. And I think there's going to be another pocket uh, after the freeze. I do think it's going to be very busy. Um, Eichel, I think gets traded. He's skating again. Um, he's out there again, skating. And I think he's going to get traded. Um, I think Jones is going to get traded. I'm just curious to see if any team gambles on him for a year or they demand like Philly backed away from something because they didn't have term with him. So I, I do think like Jason, I, I think this year, like I think there's a bunch of players out there. Like um, look at, look at Voracek, you know, in Frank's backyard there in Philly, they've told them they're going to try to move them, but they may not. So you might have to be back. And I think everybody understands where that is. I think there's a lot of situations like that out there. Yeah. I think that's a tough situation because they're telling like, obviously they've already told him, but the list then becomes public. And it's like, you know, that the team doesn't want you back. And then if they can't move you to then bring, you have to bring you back. That's a tough spot to potentially be in. I was curious to ask you which teams in your mind are operating in stealth mode. I've got my list I think New Jersey was actually a really interesting, you know, the way that they jumped into the fray with Graves. I think they're a team, you know, and, and their GM, Tom Fitzgerald, has said that they're going to try and make more moves like that over the next 24 to 36 hours. But a couple of the other teams that I'm curious about, Elliot, uh, one for certain is, are, is the San Jose Sharks. Mm -hmm. uh, not sure exactly what they're up to. I know they're trying to move a number of pieces, I've had Evander Kane on my trade targets list. I'm not sure if that's a deal that gets done. What are you hearing about the Sharks, the Ducks? Um, I think Dallas has a chance to be a really interesting team this offseason. Uh, you know, what's going on with some of the teams in your mind that are operating in stealth mode? Well, the ultimate operating in stealth mode team, of course, is the Islanders, because if you say, if you leak anything out of there, you're like, uh, you get you're like Luca Brazzi you're sleeping with the fishes after so you got to be very careful with uh, Lou Lamorello um, you know I I think New Jersey's a good call I think they're in on one of the Vegas goalies like to me Leonard makes more sense for them than Flurry, and I think they would like to see like a Blackwood combination with a veteran um, so I, I think New Jersey's a great call Frank 
I thought Dreger makes some sense there too. I think uh, the the Yandel buyout makes me think that Dreger's going to Seattle. But they've been trying to get Dreger to Seattle for a while and they haven't been able to get it done. Well, because Seattle. At least with no confirmation. Seattle just, they're not tipping their hand one way or the other. Right. I, I think that that's the guy they're taking from Florida, but I'm not sure. Like it's a, it's a guess at this point in time. Right. I think San Jose will do anything to clear up their log jams. I, I agree with you. I think they've offered to keep salary on guys. I think they've talked about, um, you know, I think they've talked about almost everybody on their roster. What would we have to do to loosen up our log jam? I think at times they've offered to keep a percentage of salary. I think they've offered to incentivize people um, I agree with you. I think there's a lot on the table there and whether or not they do anyone, I, I think it's more likely we're willing to talk about anyone, you know, with Anaheim, um, I think they've been in on Eichel. I, I do think that, and I, I have to say that I think that's a place Buffalo would love to send Eichel for one place, for one reason he's far away. And for another Anaheim has like a high pick this year and a couple of really good prospects. They're not giving up all of that. But if they were willing to give up a combination of that, I think there's a deal to be made there. Um, you know, Raquel, they've got to talk about extending him or not extending him. Um, I think that's a, that's a name that's going to be out there if they don't like what it's going to cost to extend them. I think Anaheim's a really, really interesting team. Um, you know, I, I think the other team that's kind of been in, in stealth mode a little bit that I'm going to be very curious about is Tampa. Because I think they're going to go for a three-peat. Um, you know, I, I think that they're like, they like, you know, and Colorado is another one too. They're having a problem with Landeskog now. Like I'm wondering if a Tampa or a Colorado thinks about maybe like a one year Seth Jones deal to, to go for it. Like those are the, like, cause I think those two teams are in it to win it next year. And I think they might try to pull some things that give them a chance next year. And I wanted to mention one other team. It's the opposite of stealth mode. It's actually more like transparent mode. That's the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm told that they've basically rattled off 12 to 14 players on their roster that they'd consider moving to a number of teams. And, you know, we had Don Waddell, Jason, you'll remember on our pod earlier in the year, and he basically said, I'll trade anyone to anyone. He said, I'm not one of those people that sits here and wonders or worries about what I'm giving up. I'm more looking at what I'm getting. And I think yeah. that's a fantastic way to look at things. Have you heard anything about, you know, what's going on there with Carolina and also with regards to Dougie Hamilton? Well, I, I think, I think when it comes to Dougie Hamilton, they were, they're kind of looking in the, in the six and a half million range is what they'd like to do. And I think Dougie Hamilton is out there looking at obviously bigger numbers. Eight. Um, yeah, I would think so. I mean, why wouldn't you try eight yeah. times eight if you could? The, the, the thing is, I'm curious about, like, I think Philly's looking for a D. I think Chicago's looking for a D. I think we all know Chicago was interested in Hamilton. I wonder about Seattle, and we mentioned Jersey. Like, if, like Jersey's a, an interesting one to me. Um, but, you know, I, I always do think there's a chance that maybe he circles back to Carolina and think they're willing to budge. I agree with you on Carolina. I like, I just think that the way that organization has set themselves up uh, is they place a value on every player and they're not going over the value. And we're seeing that with, seeing that with, um, we've seen that with the, with the coaches. Um, we've even seen that with uh, obviously Hamilton. 
We're and, seeing that with Nadelkovich. Like, yes. I, I, they, oh, sorry. Yeah, with Nadelkovich, absolutely. If they don't, I mean, qualify. look, they're they're looking at a spot where you know, you know, I think the the Nadelkovich camp thinks that they're in the three and a half million dollar range, maybe a little north of that, given the way that he played and given his track record and resume. And the Canes are like, well, he he's not anywhere close. Um, I think that that is, I think that's true. Now there are some, they don't have a goalie sign by the way. So like, that's the thing, like Frank, I think there's some people who, um, are not buying what Carolina is selling there. Like I've had some people say to me, there's no way Carolina is going to do that. There's no way they're walking away from that guy. And I said, you know, Carolina does not believe in conventional wisdom. If any team would do that, they would be the team to do that. Um, what that says to me is that if Carolina, like I hadn't heard that 12 guys thing, again, I'd believe it. What that says to me is that he might be big game hunting. Could he be thinking, could they be thinking someone big out there and they're clearing room to do it? I have no question that they're big game hunting. I just don't know if they can pull it off. Like I think they've been, they were big game hunting at the deadline Mm -hmm. and they just couldn't do it. Like they were looking for that big, you know, another right shot D to add to their mix that they just couldn't get done. Well, and, and you know that they like to think big. So I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you, Frank. I, I think as long as it's someone who fits into their number, like the, the number has to make sense for them. It's, does, the, does the player's value, the salary, per, uh, fit what they perceive the player's value is? That's, that's the way Carolina thinks. And Jay, Jay, you can hop in. I, I just – my thing is – I always wonder, and and look, this isn't a knock on anything that Carolina has done. Like, I think the way that they've built that team has been so interesting. It's like the new sort of NHL and the way a lot of teams probably should be looking. And when I say this, agents aren't paying me to say it, but is what their view of the market is disconnected from reality at times. And I, I think it's fine to just set a number and say, look, if it's beyond this, we're comfortable with you leaving full marks, no issue. It just is their number rooted in reality to the market. What they, they look at it as based on comps, what they see as that player being worth. Like, like I've heard, like one thing I've heard with Fogel is I just heard they're not close. Uh, like, and you know, now one of the things I also heard was when the word got out, I think you were the first one to report it, Frank, that Fogel was available. I heard they got a lot of calls. I, I would have to say that they got a lot of calls on him. And I think it actually made Carolina wonder, are we missing something based on all of the interest that Fogel is getting? It's what I, I ask still... myself every day with everything I do. What am I missing here? <laughs> but I think that I, I think that what's happened is they still can't necessarily make a deal. So I think he's most likely getting moved. And I think there's a lot of interest on him. And the no. Delkovich one is really interesting to me. I, like, no, I don't know if there's another team that would, would potentially not qualify. We'll see what happens here. Yeah, I'd, I'd be stunned if they didn't qualify, but you never know. Now, Montreal, the big news, of course, Shea Weber, uh, probably going to be uh, done for the season. We'll see if it's career or not, but that frees up a lot of potential cap space for, uh, for Mark Bergerman. Um, he hasn't yeah. been shy at times of being aggressive. Um, does suddenly, what, what's your sense on Montreal maybe becoming a bigger player than we thought of you know, a week ago? Well, I think, first of all, they have to get the clearance on it, Jason. Um, you know, the NHL hasn't ruled on this one yet. Like, to me, look, I understand why the league is a little annoyed 
Um, you know, it's at the expansion draft time. It's at the free agency time. And there's, there's a little bit of uh, what was uh, Dana Carvey's old SNL character, church lady. Isn't that a convenient feeling going on around the league? But come on. He also it's, looked it's, awesome in the Stanley cup final. Like the Tampa guys were saying how, like how ridiculously good he played. Yeah. But you know what? And I, and I agree with you on that, but you know what? It's Shea Weber. Like who thinks he's lying? Like look at everything that guy has gone through in his career to play. There's no way this guy is lying about his situation. If he can't play, he can't play. The stuff that that guy has played through, he's not, he's not doing this to, because he, he, he doesn't want to play. He's doing it because he can't. And but here, um, here, what, what am I missing, though? Because Montreal, if they just ask him to waive his no-movement clause, then he's exposed. He doesn't have a no-move clause. He doesn't right? have one. Okay. They could so, just expose him anyway. Yeah, they so don't they even need the injury. So, so if he's just exposed, it's no different than Oscar Clefbaum. Like, what's the difference? I think the difference is, is that Montreal wants to know that he's going to be on LTIR so they can know what they can do with the money. Yeah, but if he has surgery at whatever time and he starts the season on LTIR, wouldn't it, like, does that like, yeah, but then, he, but then he has to come back. Window. Then he has to come back, right? Oh, yeah. So, because yeah, like, for example, say for argument's sake, for argument's sake, Weber starts the season on LTIR and then comes back in February. Well, then yeah, you've got probably. to make room for his cap hit. Sure. So if you're the Canadians, you want to know. But like the thing is, look at like David Clarkson, Nathan Horton, Chris Pronger. It's not like this hasn't happened before. And I think you have to like I think you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the player in question. This is not a guy who misses games because he wants to. So basically, if he if he confirms that he's done, yeah, that's the only way you can do it, right? Like that's why Clefbaum. They're still holding out hope. Maybe I, I don't think so. I think they know he's not coming. Oh no, 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 no. I know he's not playing. I reported that two months ago that he was done for this year, but they're they're like Ken Holland went out and said, Hey, he's done for the coming season. You know, we'll reevaluate. But the, the reality is in Edmonton, they expect him to be gone, but I don't think they're going to get the NHL to rule to put him on that list. So uh, in Shea Weber's case, like as Frank said, so don't protect him. Seattle's probably not going to risk it. Mm-hmm. Then it really doesn't change anything until the season starts other than that 24 hour window, right? That's probably what they're looking at, Elliot, where you have no, to- No, what, what it changes is, you know, what they can do in the off season. You can go, at the end of the day, you want to know, are we going to have to be prepared for, to, are we going to have the $7.5 million extra cap hit or not? I think that's what my, cause you, you know, like I think Bergevin's going to swing for the fences this off season again. You know, I mentioned Eichel yesterday. Yeah, I, I think it's true. Like, I, I think he'll look into it. Like, like you, like Bergevin's whole philosophy. I remember I talked to him about this when he first became a GM. Is if a star player becomes available, you have to look at it because those players just don't become available, right? So you know he's going to do it for sure. But Jason, you have to know that you're going to have permission from the league to use that hit. The other thing that's going on with Montreal, and I do want to be very careful about what I say about this because we just don't know yet, is there's Drouin's situation too. So Montreal has two situations here where we don't really have a lot of clarity right now. So I think all of that uh, plays into what the league is thinking. Um, You know, again, it's kind of funny that, like I had no problem with what Tampa did. Those are the rules. They could have stopped this if they wanted to, and they didn't. But it is kind of funny that Tampa wins the Stanley Cup against Montreal with Kucherov coming back and 
Now Montreal might get hung up on a guy who's been played injured half his career. It, it is, does seem kind of weird. Yeah, well, the funny thing is the, 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 the players, you, you'd have to negotiate that trade. And the reason the players will never go for it is look at all the extra money that was available to players by Kucherov being on LTIR all season long, right? That was an extra nine point million in, in the cap pool for players. And that's why it would be really difficult, I think, for the league. And it's obviously, it would have to happen in a full regular season, I think, before the NHL took it seriously. Well, don't, like it happened in Kane in 2015. Yeah, but, but he played the season. He yeah, played in the and, season. And Chicago. Yeah, he, but he, they kept on telling us he was out for a long time and then miraculously he yeah. showed up for But they also, re- remember though, guys, they gave up assets to replace Patrick Kane. Right. So they, that his cap space allowed them to go acquire, but they still had to give up assets to do it. Tampa gave up nothing. They were just like, oh, great. Kucherov, you sit here. Now we don't have to trade our guys. Yeah. My, I, again, if I got not, if it's not against the rules. Oh, yeah, I agree. No problem here. I, no yeah. problem My solution Chicago to this is very simple. You have to be on the cap at least one day during the regular season in order to participate no. in the playoffs. That's it. I, I, one day. I, 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 no, I, I completely like, why are we making it harder to have <laughs> – player movement look yeah. like why are we making it harder it's already hard enough in this league look at like i understand for the players some players in particular this week hasn't been a barrel of laughs i get that but look at all of the look at how much excitement there's been among the fans how much talk there's been in the league like don't you want that don't you want the best possible ability to move players around to create interest um to create you know, better teams to create opportunities for bold people. Why are we thinking of ways to eliminate this? Hey, hey Elliot, I love your idea. You know what? The, the NHL should jump on board with this. Once you're 27 years of age, the max term you get is five years. It's going to create more player movement. The reason the NBA is so popular right now, it's sports is somewhat of a, a soap opera for sports fans. And well, yeah, it's difficult for players to move around, but it's like anything. Once they learn and and they adapt to the fact that, hey, I'm only going to be there for five years, maybe it's better. And if there's the potential of more player movement every year in the off season, that's better for your league when it comes to people talking about it. It's it's a little bit of a, a concern for players and that's valid. I understand that, but they get compensated very heavily for it. And if that's the worst thing that happens, the players and the other thing is there would actually be more money for the average player in the league because there wouldn't be a lot of dead cap space from buyouts when it would be shorter terms. You know, all of this is, I mean, if they bargain for it and that's what they want, yeah. I'm all for it. I, I'm, I'm all for anything that creates player movement because there's, you like chaos. What, I, no, you like chaos. <laughs> like I'm not even on the same planet as you, uh, but there's two things fans love more than anything else. Games and player movement. So yep. why not create that? Create it. With All right. You. Speaking of chaos, let's play a little buy or sell. Okay. Yeah, let's get into it here. Buy or sell is brought to you by Roasty Coffee. I cannot come up with my buy or sell questions before I've had my Roasty Coffee. Roasty.ca, <laughs> they got a subscription box and everything. So it just shows up at your door. If you're lazy, you don't want to move, open the front door. Coffee's right there. Again, roasty.ca. Uh, first question here. Uh, Jason, you hinted at all the big names on the market. Eichel, Kuznetsov, Tarasenko, all of them. I'm going to say at least one disgruntled star will start next season with the team they're currently at. They won't find a move. And I'll uh, start with you on this, Elliot. You buying or selling on that? Buying. Buying. Um, 
I, you know, the name that jumps to my head the most is probably Oliver Ekman Larson because I just think it's a tough contract to move. Frank mentioned Voracek. Uh, I do think I, I do think there's going to be situations this year where teams try to investigate moves, but they're just not going to be able to do them. Frank, I'm going to buy uh, the guy that sticks out for me is Kuznetsov. Uh, yeah, I think with four years left on his deal, that's a difficult one to move given you know the drop in his production and. I'm wondering if in the back of their minds, as disappointed as Washington has been with how this has played out over the last number of years, that they wonder if this can motivate him and get back to being the player that he once was. Well, I'm going to gonna be the opposite. I'm going to say I'm buying only because I look, Eichel, I think, is getting traded for sure. I think Seth Jones is going to get moved. And I agree with Frank that Kuznetsov is the tough one, but uh, th- they will find a way. Now, Voracek, because he hasn't been a star, I'm not including him. So I'm including the, the highest. So you don't think Voracek's a star? Not not so much anymore, no. I think he's a good player, but he's oh, not okay. like a, a star anymore, 40, in my, my yeah. opinion. 43 so, points in 50 games last year? Yeah, it's all right. So, yeah. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, be, I'm a tough gauger today. So, no, I'm not no. including Voracek because if we include all of the players, well, of course, it's too easy. So, out don't of the let big my segment four, get off the rails. I'm going to say they're, uh, they're all four will be moved. All right. We're going to keep moving on here. Uh, talk about Landeskog hitting the open market. Dougie Hamilton's another big name. Uh, despite the fact that they're both very good players, I'm going to say no free agent gets an $8 million AAV. That will be the cutoff line. They'll all come in below it. I'll flip the order. Jason, you buying or selling? Well, last year, Taylor Hall and Petrangelo got eight plus. I think a team will give Dougie Hamilton eight mil. So I will, uh, I will sell. I think Dougie Hamilton's getting eight mil. I'm going to sell both those guys. I think get eight mil. Hmm? That's a, I, that's a great question. Thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm buying if. Landeskog stays in Colorado. I'm selling if he doesn't. You guys think Landeskog will get eight mil? Wow. Mm-hmm. If he goes on the open market, I think he will. Okay. Wow. Uh, number three, Zach Hyman. I'm going to say he leaves Toronto, but he stays in Canada. Elliot, you buying or selling? Buying. Simple as that. You got a room in your basement, uh, Jay? <laughs> no i know edmonton's uh it's funny all the order fans are like don't be david clarkson well unfortunately david clarkson got injured and uh but i will uh, i will agree but I, I don't think it's a locket it's edmonton but i do think it'll no, be I, in uh, I, western canada so you're I, buying as well jason frank i'm gonna buy but i think it's calgary i think it's the other oh. team in Alberta. oh there we go all right uh let's stay in calgary for question number four Mark Giordano, I'm going to say he will not be a flame next season. Frank, I'll let you go first here. Buying. Uh, I think Seattle selects him. Elliot? Buying. I I think Calgary. Uh, Jeff Merrick said in our podcast today that Seattle, he heard Seattle's asking for a first and a third to not take players. Uh, I didn't hear that when I did the podcast with them, but I made a few calls this morning. And uh, some people said that Jeff is not out of the realm uh, on this one. I don't think Calgary will pay that for Giordano. So I would buy, but I'm not convinced he's going to be a Kraken either. I think he could get flipped. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I think he's not in Calgary, but I don't think he's in Seattle. I will say this though, that is a massive blow, not just to Calgary on the ice. What Giordano and his wife do in that community is amazing. And I think players sometimes don't get enough applause for what they do off the ice. Giordano is an absolute gem of a human being off of the ice. And I think he leaving Calgary is, is a crushing blow to that community. 
Last one here. Let's talk a little about the Seattle Kraken. I'm going to say away from the expansion draft, they will make one big splash this summer and it will be for a scoring forward. Jason, I'll let you go first. Well, that's a good question. Tarasenko, yeah, I, I would, know. I would agree that, uh, that they're going to do that because there's not a ton of legit top six available in, uh, in the expansion draft. And I think they're going to go after one, uh, whether it's a free agent or a trade, they'll have a lot of assets. So yes, I think they will get a legit top six forward via trade. I'll buy that all day long. I think that's been the one quest for Ron Francis. It's just not going to happen in the expansion draft. I don't think, you know, based on the guys that are available. So, um, you know, I, I've been thinking about this. Why can't he put a package together? Like, why couldn't the Kraken be involved in any sort of Jack Eichel discussion? Why is that not possible? Like, no know. one's mentioned that. I just, as a, hmm. as a theory, why is it not plausible? I just don't know if they have. How the many first round picks base. is he going to have? Not prospects, but you could take current roster players, you know, plus the picks, plus whoever you select in the draft. I don't know. It's what? interesting, Frank. It's not the worst idea you've ever had. <laughs> I've had some bad ones, so. Uh, <laughs> that's not an interesting idea i'd buy tyler i'd yep. buy yeah. all right there we go that is uh that is buy or sell brought to you by roasty coffee head to roasty.ca pick up your subscription box now now before we let you go elliot i appreciate it quickly to jack eichel what yeah. do you guys sense because if they just get a bunch of draft picks you're, you're really pushing the can down the hill because those picks for the most part aren't helping you like, you know, three, four years down the road. Are they look, because they can't have another Ryan O'Reilly disaster in Buffalo. They've got to get some legit players back. What, what are you hearing? Like are teams going to be willing to give them some legit players or is it going to be, you know, one player and then a bunch of picks and, you know, high end prospects. I think, well, first of all, Eichel is skating again. So that's, that's good news. Um, you know, he still might need surgery, but at least he's back on the ice and skating. Um, I think what's going to happen there is it depends on the team. I, despite what Minnesota did this week, I think they're still in it. I, I think they would like to try and pull it off. So what that says to me is that it'll, it'll be prospects and picks. Like they're going to, it's not just going to be picks, Jason. I don't think, I think it's going to be young, good prospects plus picks but if it's Minnesota, they're going to have to help the Wild facilitate clearing the cap room, right? Um, from what I've heard that they've asked teams, they have gone to every team they've talked to and they've looked at their top young players and they've looked at picks. They want a combination of both. Like some teams they've asked, like I don't know who in particular, but I heard that they asked one team for three of their top prospects and a couple of picks. I don't know who that is but I've heard that's out there. And the team said, we, we can't do that. Sounds like LA. Um, you know, LA would fit, but I yeah. don't know. I've, I've gotten really mixed. Things. I don't know what you've heard, Frank. I've gotten really mixed reports on LA and Eichel. I've heard some, some, sometimes people say no. Other times people say they've kind of just looked into it. My indication is that they're interested, but they're not willing to give their upper echelon prospects. It's not going to be the byfields that are going to be going. It's more going to be guys further down on their list. And I think that just hasn't been as enticing for Buffalo. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So, but I, LA, but I think that that's what it is. Sorry, Jason. I think that's what it is. I think it's, it's pros, top prospects and picks. And if we have to facilitate a player like Minnesota would, they would, they would do that too if it's the best deal. Very interesting. It's all going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. Elliot, we really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for joining us. All right. My pleasure, guys.
Well, that was great with Elliot, uh, Frank. I know there's lots to digest for uh, for hockey fans. It's it's going to be a you know crazy few days, maybe even uh, listening to you two uh, in regards of teams and trades and what potentially could happen before the roster freeze. And then uh, after the 21st, like I think after the 21st, there's going to be a mad scramble. Usually we've seen some big trades, you know, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, you know, then there was right after the draft the year with Weber and Subban and Hall. I think, man, from the 22nd to the 30th of July, as a, what do they call you? Agent chaos, Frank? Agent of chaos. Yeah. Agent it's going to be, you'll be loving bonkers. it. It's going to be, be I, it's good. Stay near a charger. That's all I need to do. Yeah. Well, hold on fast, Frank, just like your shirt says. Okay. <laughs> we'll try. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.